0: It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, John? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. G'day everyone, Alex here and welcome to episode 147 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. Today I'm joined by a man who has been on the podcast before. He's an economist, F1 gambler and author of many books that surround both of those topics. His name is Peter Sainsbury. Welcome back to the podcast, mate. Yeah, thanks Alex.
1: Thanks for having me back on. Good to see
0: you. Yes, it's uh, it's very good to have you back on, mate. Obviously, you can assume I'm, I'm... by the title of the podcast that we've gotten peter back on because i mean lots has lots has happened in the last you know two years around the formula one betting space we talked a little bit about uh formula one last time we chatted but it was mostly about you know the relationship with the stock market and betting and all that kind of stuff so if you're interested in Peter's thoughts around those topics. Really interesting conversation we had a couple of years ago. Make sure you go and check that out. I believe it was episode 45 from, from memory, something like that. that. <laughs> um, so uh, so go back and listen to that. We talked a tiny bit about F1 towards the end of the podcast, but because I had absolutely no idea about the space back then, <laughs> my questions probably weren't that great, and I probably didn't, uh, I guess, probe Peter enough and get and get anything interesting out of him. Um But uh, as I'm an expert on Formula One now, after watching the Netflix documentary, I can ask all the the good questions. Um, (laughs) So, mate, why don't we just have a quick rehash of, uh, I guess, what we talked about last time and just kind of, you know, what your approach is to to F1. Talk a little bit about your book, maybe what's in there. Um, You know, are are you modeling F1? Are you, are you kind of maybe just making your own kind of paper pr- tissue prices, whatever people want to call it? Um, yeah, just kind of a you know a quick rehash of how you approach your betting on Formula One.
1: Yeah, so I've, I mean, I've I've really been sort of following Formula One since uh, as, you know, as long as I can remember. So you know, uh, yeah, it's been a while, sort of three or four decades, uh, and you know, kind of be betting on it probably for just over 20 years in various forms um, and that's got gradually more serious over time as I've kind of developed different approaches and you know become more serious and um, you know, kind of more sophisticated in my approach and I think I think the way to think about it is I you know there's lots of different markets within you know Formula One weekend you know there's to, just to be very uh, basic there's you know if, everything from the practice sessions to qualifying, uh, and then the actual race. So there's you know, three distinct sections to the, to the weekend. Uh, but within those distinct sections, there's lots of different markets that are um, available to bet, to, to bet on everything from the, the winner to podium points, um, you know, who's going to win out of being paired between two teammates or, or a, a, group, a group bet. Um, and what I try and do is I try and uh think about how the weekend is going to evolve and um, you know I look at you know, treat it like a start of it from the point of view of you know what's the circuit you know, what are the characteristics of that circuit what kind of races have have evolved in that way um, in the past uh and then that kind of gives you a benchmark to how you know how, how many you know how what different teams could perform well on a, on a particular weekend uh, and then i kind of gradually iterate that process based on you know, more recent form and and then kind of an expectation of how i expect like the weather to evolve and, and things like that so it's very much lots of different approaches there's a modeling approach for certain bets and a, a kind of a an iterative uh, kind of you know, I, I developed the uh, a, a kind of a, a benchmark, a baseline of how I expect different drivers or teams to perform. Uh, and then that's how gradually iterating on that over the weekend. Uh, and that's how I kind of adjust, adjust my kind of estimated probabilities of of how they're going to perform. Um, so it's, yeah, so it's a very much a you know, a kind of a two sort pronged approach.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, very interesting, mate. Um you mentioned last time on the podcast that your biggest edge was in the matchup market so you know picking between two drivers who's gonna perform or finish higher in the race or uh, or group betting which is you know same kind of thing mm-hmm. except with more people um is that still the case or have you found edges in other markets
1: well I think it, I think it, the answer is it kind of evolves over time so you know the what you tend to get is the the all the attention is on the the winner's market or most of the attention you know that's where the prices are probably the most efficient in terms of you know incorporating new information although that you know doesn't always 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 the case and so i think what you tend to get is in those more kind of niche markets you know you might only get uh if, you know a small number of bookmakers offering those markets so you've got nothing to necessarily benchmark it against in terms of another provider but I know kind of from my own um you know database of how those how races have evolved yeah who how many overtakes there's likely to be between different parts of the grid uh whether those prices are, are realistic or not um you know I think yes yeah, so, that's so the answer to your question I think I, I think that is still the case you know I still focus a lot of my attention on that on that part of the you know the betting market Uh, i think i think the you know overall the i think there's some in some ways markets have become more efficient uh, but i also think that at various points you know prices are you know at certain times you can still see lots of inefficiencies in markets and i think they to go back to our kind of previous conversation about you know similarities between sort of financial markets and betting you tend to get uh you know markets overreact to certain news or certain events so if a, if, a, if a driver perhaps achieves you know pole position but they weren't expected to go on pole then the price you know when the markets reopen for the, for the winners market it overreacts you know people pile into that mm. that market and drive the price um, you know to shorter and shorter odds uh, and that can also often be an opportunity to kind of you know, sort it, go against that, that market because people have, you know, overestimated that, that probability.
0: Yeah. So, so it sounds like you're using a lot of numbers, like, you know, a lot of data within your, I guess, you know, like any model using a lot of, uh, data and stuff like that is, is that all, uh, publicly sourced or do you, you pay like a subscription from somewhere? Like, how do you get all your data?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think most of it is all publicly available. Um, you know there's there's lots of websites that will you know it's like formula1.com and you know you can get lots of data from there about how you know how drivers have performed uh during the practice sessions and then during the race uh but yeah that, you know virtually all of it's publicly available um but even the more... past
0: data like the
1: yeah, yeah 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 I think the what's um where I've increasingly found an edge is by following you know there's, there's lots of people on on twitter and elsewhere that will really go into massive detail about it, you know analyzing the lap times the uh you know, you know how how the car and drivers have performed over a certain sections of the of the track uh, and i you know that kind of detailed knowledge that that insight you know perhaps wasn't even available even you know a few years ago you know you might get some article in a in a magazine that would detail it but it wouldn't be available on a you know, on a regular basis mm. so you know kind of like the hive mind of, of Twitter has been a, a kind of a great sort of insight as to you know getting more and more and more detailed information
0: yeah are there any uh sources out there you're willing to share I know this is like your uh this is <laughs> a part of your edge but if you don't want to answer it's completely fine yeah so need- I mean
1: like um I mean just like uh, for some of the back historical data you know autosport.com uh, you know they provide access to a. Uh, you know, kind of historical database where you can get lots of
0: data by on the, by lap by lap.
1: Uh, so, you know, that's, that's probably one of the sort of my go-to sources.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so if I'm a, I'm a new sports better looking to, or maybe just a general sports better, but looking to, get into to formula one, maybe, you know, most people are just getting in as a hobby at the moment, recreationally, and just, you know, betting on their favorite driver. But if I wanted to take it a a little bit more seriously and actually try and make some money from this long-term coming in with, you know, basically Netflix knowledge, you might want to call it what, um, like, what, what are some of the, the stepping stones you would say, like, you know, what would your first step be in terms of, um, yeah potentially becoming profitable long term
1: well I, I guess it's just you know from the basics Previous, it's the same with any sports market or any you know investment perhaps you know you're trying to think about a process you know and stick to that process you know and only bet if the you know the, the opportunities are fitting with the process that you've you've developed you know to try not to you know whenever you kind of i know when my own experiencing if i sort of you know divert from that that process and either over bet or bet on something that i just kind of have a sort of, i haven't really properly researched then you know nine times out of ten I, i've kind of made a mistake and i've, I've, I've lost money on it uh, so i think it's kind of kept keeping that that kind of discipline over time and that, that kind of helps with the sport like for me at least with support like formula one is, is something i'm you know interested and you know, passionate about and i've been you know enjoyed watching it for many years I, I you know i perhaps struggle to you know do that for some other sports for example so you know that, that's an advantage for me in in having that um you know i think i think from for from a perspective for someone who's starting fresh you know i think watch you know it's kind of watching lots of you know, lots of races lots of the recent races kind of see how how races evolved you know that's where you get your your kind of experience about how um you know how different drivers perform what the likelihood of you know passes are actually happening you know and then then you can kind of look ahead to the next race as to what you know is is just because something happened in the previous race doesn't mean it's going to happen in the race that's going to come up ahead you know, next one on on the calendar mm. it's very different different characteristics uh and then yeah and no, I mean you know you can always buy my book uh to get, <laughs> yeah more more insights well, perhaps we'll talk about later but uh uh yeah I mean just on that I mean I I, I wrote the, the book just to kind of uh you know kind of to, to put all my thoughts down on a mm. uh in words just to kind of put it down on paper just to help you know, as you say, people who are getting into the space on, uh, for the first time, you know, what are the, the sort of basic things they need to know about Formula One? You know, where can they find, you know, different markets? You know, how would they get started? Uh, so I think it's, you know, it's kind of getting a basic knowledge, developing a process, and then, you know, sticking to certain parts of the market that you know know about, whether it's the certain type drivers at the front of the field or those further back. And
0: then kind of and then kind of working from there yeah okay I'll, i'd love to talk a little bit about uh drive to survive and the effect that's that's had on the market but firstly i was just a little bit off topic i was gonna ask how how much of a the, how much the formula one takes up your own as as you know as your profession like are you is it 10 of of what you do in terms of all your other stuff with um the stock market and gold and silver all that kind of stuff or is it yeah. um or is it a you know is it you know quite a quite a big part and are you, are you like would you say you're betting on this professionally are you working for any syndicates or anything like, that? like how big is your operation at the moment
1: yeah yeah uh, I'd say it's probably you know accounts for you know perhaps a 20 25 percent of my you know kind of working yeah uh, yeah life essentially uh, you know both certainly both in terms of you know, the time i'm devoting to it and the the essentially the kind of how, how profitable it is, it, it is for me um, so you know okay that that varies you know, season by season but um you know i know that i know that by working on that that process and then that that edge you know over time it, it kind of works out pretty well uh, so you no, know, i i mean i i'm only myself you know working for for myself essentially so you know i'm not uh you
0: know sort of partnering with anyone else uh at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, mate. Um, so drives to survive. Uh, how's how's it affected the betting spread? I think this would be really interesting because you can look at it two ways and go, there's a lot of dumb money coming through. I'm not dumb money is probably a little bit rude, but you know, it's, it's, it's people just having a bit of fun um, and that could potentially affect the market in one way. Let's just say, you know, Verstappen's basically going to be close to favorite every single race. Let's say he's like the most popular driver in the world too. I assume his prices are going to be um, too short most of the time. So you can look at it that way and say, you know, the market's making, uh, creating opportunities for someone like yourself, or is it actually bringing more, you know, shrewd, smarter, sharper betters into the market, and it, you're actually finding it harder to, to, or, or at least your edges are becoming a little bit smaller. How's it affected your betting in general?
1: Uh, I think I think it, well. First of all, I think it's you know maybe uh I forget exactly when, but you know uh, maybe five or six years ago, Formula One betting interest was starting to really sort of wane. You know, really, you know, I could see a noticeable deterioration in it. You know, certainly, like the volumes on on Betfair and you know, the number of bookmakers that were offering kind of comprehensive markets was starting to go down. You know, the number of Kind of interesting markets, you know, just it was really hard to get bookmakers to put anything interesting up. You know, that has changed, I think, in the last four or five years, you know, since Drive to Survive you know, started. You know, whether the two were, you know, there was any causality between the two, you know, I don't know, but you can certainly see an increase, increase interest in, you know, from a besting perspective, you know, on the volume basis and the type of markets uh you know whether that's yeah you know, I'm sure it's brought some people who might have you know for example bet on you know IndyCar or NASCAR but you know have, you know started to look into Formula One as an alternative market you know most racing market they're you know, they're interested in, in in racing cars and uh, can see the parallels with Formula One um but I think yeah I think I think overall it's probably you know you can stop you, at certain points in the weekend you can see those kind of inefficiencies come in. You know, what you know, I mentioned like the sort of qualifying after a qualifying session is, is closed and then you know the winning winning this markets opened up you can see you know bigger at bigger inefficiencies perhaps than there was you know even a few years ago. Uh, so that's yeah you know, so that's interesting. Um you know whether yeah you know you do get some you know level of recency bias you know between in, in between different races uh, but I think I think uh bookmakers and you know the best exchanges you know people on betting exchanges are probably becoming more efficient in terms of anticipating what's coming up ahead than than they were you know a few years ago uh so yeah so it's it's a bit mixed bag really I'd say
0: yeah I mean you mentioned the opening of markets after qualifying would you say that but potentially the biggest inefficiencies are between qualifying and the actual race or is there or are, are they more inefficient at those points than let's just say you know three days before qualifying or two days before before the event has even started yeah
1: yeah I mean that was just that was just one example I think uh, you know I, I I try I try and um jump on any any inefficiency whenever they whenever it appears you know if that's a few days before or you know kind of 30 seconds before a session starts then you know yeah but i think um yeah i think when when you when you really get those kind of opportunities is when there you know has been something there's been a, a change in the process so or changing the order of the weekend so if there's like a you know might be in rain during one practice session or right. you know a couple of drivers have had an accident an accident which disrupted their their program on the on the friday um and that creates a kind of momentum that you know can a driver that's performed quite well can you know overperform relative to the competition during during qualifying in the race and uh yeah, so I, th- I think it's, it's, it's kind of spotting those opportunities that people tend to base it on what's happened in the last, you know, that kind of recency bias. But if you try and, you know, ignore that and, you know, there are opportunities that, that come up, you know, especially when things are, are volatile.
0: Yeah, no, certainly, mate. Um, so I guess, in, in, in you know, to summarise, you're saying there's probably a little oh, or at least more inefficiencies Throughout the weekend, then there is maybe a couple of days beforehand when we don't really have that much information.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the market doesn't really move very much up until you know after Friday, Friday practice. That's when you know things start to move. Um, yeah. yeah, especially if there's you know been a you know because this for example this weekend coming up, uh, you know, it's the Spanish Grand Prix, and it's it's usually quite a you know kind of a pivotal part of the, the season you know all the teams are bringing their sort of major upgrades to their cars uh you know kind of this it's usually the first time they're back in europe you know close to the factories so they can bring all these new parts to their to their cars uh and that sometimes sets the scene for the next several races you know and it, and it varies season by season some sometimes there's absolutely no change they just kind of move you know relative to each other they're they're, they're actually you know, they stay in the same place uh but other times you know you do get people that jump you know between you know up, up or lower down the grid and so it's you know this weekend is, is slightly different and there might be you know that kind of knowledge of what teams are bringing what and who isn't doing you know bringing any new parts out of that can be quite valuable
0: yeah how do you I guess how do you then predict who's going to be faster or potentially stay the same. Is it is it is yeah, it very yeah. difficult for someone that knows nothing about cars and someone who who wouldn't know how to fix, you know, a tire on my car <laughs> if I got a puncture. Save, save uh, <laughs> if if uh, if if Mercedes are releasing statements or something a couple of days before the the Spanish Grand Prix saying, Yeah, we've got this new exhaust pipe or so i know it's a ridiculous example but um i would say well great but i have no idea if it's <laughs> going to make you faster or slower
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah no that's right
1: and i, I mean you it, it's, it, it's just a very subjective point of view yeah, the teams won't really know until they've put it on the car and done a few laps and then they'll get a feel for whether it is actually better or not and um, so you know you're you're making a a bet as to whether that's um you know that that those upgrades are working uh and and you're kind of basing that on you know how those teams performed in previous years you know do they develop their car well during the season um yeah because some some teams you know for example like Red Bull tend to you almost get faster and faster as the season progresses so they have tend to be very good at developing that car, but that the just uh, you know, kind of caveat to that. This this particular year, again, is different, and and I think just to touch on that is that, unlike perhaps others, many other sports, almost every year the the pieces, if you like, of the of the, the game of the the sport are almost reset. You know, not every year, but. You know, the rules change to a little extent every year, Yeah, you know, sometimes they have massive aerody- aerodynamic uh, regulations that yeah can upset the field completely. Um, and then, yeah, so you're, you're constantly trying to judge, you know, starting from scratch and, and judge how that, how that's going to evolve.
0: So when it comes to the, 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 you know, implementing new parts into a system, like, you know, a lot of teams will do at the Spanish Grand Prix, are you yeah. you know there's potentially lots of changes coming in is that a weekend where you're like i have to watch practice with a very keen eye um because you know this could really um affect majorly how how i bet from now on in, into the into the weekend yeah. yeah absolutely i mean
1: i mean like a, you know a, you know some sometimes the spanish Grand Prix, you know this this what tends to happen yeah it doesn't necessarily make a massive difference to the to the rest of the season but sometimes it you know it can be you know really significant uh so yeah so to that extent yeah and you know it's it's important from a you know bets for this this particular weekend but also you know potential sort you know any sort of season bets that I have you know about how well uh you know the drivers or constructors championship um you know and other bets as well so you know I I do my own, you know, I watch the practice sessions and do my own research on that. I also, you know, follow what, you know, other people are saying about it, you know, what, you know, magazines, you know, at the end of the day, magazines like, you know, Autosport and others, you know, they delve, you know, beneath all the numbers and try and unpick, you know, how well those upgrades have done and, you know, who's, you know, who's looking happy and who's looking like, you know, that's going to be a long season ahead of them, uh, so it's, it's kind of picking up those little little bits of information, and you know some of that you get in the um, you know the, like the interviews that they do uh, at the end of the day. Um, you, know, when I, you know, if you either, it's probably better to watch the actual live interview or uh, you know videos because then you can really kind of tell whether a driver is you know happy about how their session's gone and you know whether they're, they're kind of looking pretty demoralized yeah yeah was gonna say you can't always get that from you know kind of a PR spiel that they've had to
0: yeah
1: you know regurgitate whereas if you just look in their faces you can see you know you get a much better feel for you know, how well it's gone
0: well that was one of the, the <laughs> questions I was gonna ask later was I, I have yeah <laughs> um heard sorry I am still here um I have heard from from, from lots of people that the, the interviews that the drivers give a very insightful and you know mm-hmm. you can almost gain an edge from from listening to those interviews which is like the complete opposite of so many other sports around the world where you know when, when you know a football player or you know any kind of any kind of you know mm. especially team sports um you're not going to be able to gain much of an edge from listening to an to an <laughs> interview but you know it sounds like it's almost the complete opposite in, in the in formula one that they'll they'll actually give gives away some really great information that you can use in betting for that weekend
1: yeah I mean it does vary you know just different drivers are more talkative than others you know and will give more information away um but you, you know you get insights as to you know whether their uh, you know particular upgrade is working really well or not you know how you know how they're doing against their teammates um you know what, what you know for example they might you know whether if they're just before the race if they're lining up on a different part of the grid you know let one side can have more grip than the other sometimes you don't get that that kind of information from just looking at the you know looking at the tv or you know from previous years uh, you know, there's, yeah. So I think, I think, yeah, unlike perhaps that's in other sports, you get, you know, the, the drivers are interviewed, you know, 10 minutes, caught for an hour before the race. Um, and I, I, think that's unheard of in, in many other sports. So mm-hmm. you do, you know, is there are sort of useful a little bit of information you can, can pick up.
0: Yeah, no, no, certainly. Are, are, the, are the bookies good at reacting to that kind of stuff? Like, are they, do you think they're watching interviews or, you know, following news of anything interesting a driver might have to say before uh, race or after qualifying and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's perhaps when the, you know, like the, the coverage is on, on TV. So that might be like a, an hour or so you know, before the race starts. You know, then I think you can tell that everyone's, Probably watching the same interview and you know the markets have, are moving on that on that same news or that, that same opinion you know whether it's the commentators or you know what the drivers are saying uh, i think it's it's kind of in between sessions when you know the attention isn't on what's happening or there's you know then you've got an opportunity to kind of react to an opinion or or what a particular driver is saying because uh, you know they're much slower to react to that that news
0: yeah so overall it sounds like there's you know a lot of moving parts throughout the whole weekend are you are you placing most of your bets uh at a certain point are you you placing any bets on say like a Thursday or something like that before anything's happened or are you very much yeah making your mind up after practice after qualifying and all those kinds of things
1: uh I'd say I'd say it just it really varies you know if there's if I don't see anything of interest know any almost any part of the weekend i i sometimes i don't necessarily place you know any bet you know or very you know very small bets uh if you know if i don't see anything particularly um you know that's that's jumping out out of me and so i'm you know you know really quite sort of selective in in that in that kind of approach um but uh you know other times i'm You know, if I've got a very strong conviction about something that's going to, going to happen, then I'm looking to get a really good price on, on Monday or Tuesday, right at the start of the week, you know, before the race, race weekend. So, you know, it absolutely varies depending on what, what the opportunities are.
0: Yeah. And, and there are, I think you mentioned this at the start, there are some tracks that suit certain cars or teams. Do you think that's factored in to the odds from you know from race to race or is it kind of the the same odds you know every every single yeah. race like it doesn't really change I too think, much I
1: think it uh yeah it is factored in when it comes to uh you know the drivers at the front of the grid so like the you know especially that like the winners market or the podium uh I think the yes you know, it's, it's the kind of midfield you know towards the back where that kind of information is just not really factors in at all and and part of that is because when you're in that kind of jumble of cars you know kind of towards the back that first few laps can make or break a particular driver's race so there is there is a lot more kind of jeopardy involved you know certainly on on some particular tracks so I think there's the odds do give that kind of yeah, the less they don't necessarily need to be as precise perhaps as you know as as, as those drivers at the at the at the front of the uh the front of the grid
0: yeah right is, is there any like any drivers that the market kind of just always overrates or or underrates or is it kind of changing from from race to race
1: uh it's such a difficult one because i think mean, I think almost not necessarily because, in from a betting perspective, but almost like people's expectations of of him. Despite him being a, a multiple world champion, I think you yeah, know Lewis Hamilton. Expectations are always <laughs> so so low, and I think perhaps some some people kind of are, are kind of wishing him to fail sometimes, and that's kind of what's reflected in their expectations of him. But uh, I think people are very quick to to write him off. And you know, I've, I've made a mistake in the past of thinking, you know, he's he's perhaps, you know, not as good as perhaps he, he is, and I've, I've I've underestimated him in the past to my to my cost. And you know, I think people, you know, If I was going to pick anyone, I think, you know, bizarrely, I think it's probably perhaps the best driver there is. People do <laughs> underestimate him.
0: Yeah. No, that that's crazy. So, how do you see how the events are playing out? now is is i mean you know you go into the the pre-race odds nowadays and he's he's huge odds to to win a race do you think that's you know he's being underestimated like you just mentioned or would you say that's fair
1: well i think think it's you know it's 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 reflecting the car as as it has been setting it since the start of the year you know it's been a a kind of a front of the midfield car so you know Mm -hmm. behind behind Ferrari and Red Bull, uh, you know, at best, really. Um, and he's been, well, the results would say that he's been shown up by his teammate, you know, his, um, George Russell. But I think, I think there's there's more to it underneath that, that he, you know, in some ways he's been a little bit luck, unlucky in, in areas on certain races. And because they've had such a bit of a, you know, kind of a diva of a car, he's had the the challenge of trying to do some kind of, kind of experimental settings on his car to try and work out that sort of quirkiness but you know the risk that 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 means that sometimes his car is you know he's just not set up correctly so he's taken a risk and it, you know, it's not not worked out uh, but everyone then jumps on the result and says you know his teammate has beaten beaten him and you know Lewis Hamilton is you know about to retire and so I I don't see that happening but uh you know for the moment at least I think he's you know he hasn't forgotten how to drive none of these drivers forget how to drive you might be be coming through a, a bad patch uh so they just you know need something in the car you know to click and you know they they're back to their normal selves
0: how how difficult is it to kind of – we talked a little bit about this with, you know, bringing in new parts now that they're back in Spain, but how hard is it to predict when or if Hamilton and Mercedes are going to, you know, reform and, and become the powerhouse they, they yeah. were because it, it feels like you can, you know – you, it, it almost feels like a little bit of a guessing game but is there any kind of logic you can make because you know if you pick if you pick the right weekend that he's going to come good and win the Grand Prix you're going to get some huge odds
1: yeah I mean so ahead of the last week last race in Miami uh you know, Mercedes were about you know something like 25 to 1 to win the constructors championship so you know to to be back on form and to win that you know that team's championship uh you know after the friday sessions you know it looked like mercedes were bang on it you know they'd cured everything every problem with their car uh, and that market went into about five or six to one just <laughs> in the space of you know one afternoon crazy yeah but then come saturday morning there's a practice session on saturday ahead of ahead of the qualifying you know they they'd somehow completely lost all that direction that they, they discovered on friday uh, you know it's obviously you know it's, it's kind of on a knife edge they, they they were on it on friday and then they somehow sort of slipped off you know come saturday morning and they, they couldn't get their way back onto that uh, so since then you know i think the market went up to about you know back up to 25 30 to one you know just you know after that after that. Uh, <clears throat> after that after that weekend so bit, I think I think they know that there's a very quick car in there and I think everything tells you or tells me that it's a very quick car and then they just need to unleash it and it's going to be you know towards the front of the field but what you're what you're kind of betting on is that there's a almost like a small tweak or a relatively small change that they've got to do and then that, that just kind of unleashes a you know uh a a massive increase in in performance that you know and and increases their kind of operating window you know to be able to find that performance uh so I I think yeah kind of going back to to things about the kind of development you know in previous years they've had almost you know massive budgets to be able to work through these problems you know the top teams an advantage to get more money so they, they could devote more resources to kind of cure these kind of problems but this year because there's a there's a, a cost cap you know it is slightly different so each team has to it's got a certain number of chips that they can effectively deal, you know, almost like a game of poker across the season. And they need to like work out, you know, when are we when is it best to spend those chips? Because if we spend them too too early, go down some blind alleys with our development, you know, we're just gonna fall down the field while everyone else is developing their car. So it's it's a it's a much more sort of strategic season this year, which is yeah, you know, quite interesting from from my perspective. Uh and you know it's gonna be, you know, be fascinating to really see. You know whether Mercedes get on top of it you now I think they will because they're uh, you know the strongest team there but you know whether it's this weekend or in a few a few weekends time I'm you know I'm, I'm not sure
0: yeah because I guess if you know in the past they probably would have you know they found a bit of speed at the beginning in Miami and then you know lost it towards the end you would think that you know that maybe two weeks after they can You know figure out why exactly they lost the speed and regain it but I guess the whole salary cap or whatever it's called thing um makes it a bit more interesting because they might think that oh maybe we'll just spend the money later in the season so uh, a lot of moving parts yeah and uh, the the
1: the real risk is is that they say you know we we can't develop this car we you know we have we've got we've we've gone down the blind alley with the 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 concept that we've got we almost have to ditch it go back to the square one and then just think let's well, we're not going to win any races or win any championships this year let's just develop the car for next year and hopefully get to the front of the field come the start of 2023 mm. uh in which case it's going to be a very long season for you know both Hamilton and, and Russell um but but then again that that gives me an opportunity perhaps to you know go against Mercedes or look at some of the other teams that could. Perhaps leapfrog Mercedes uh, yeah, for okay. the rest of the year.
0: So. Yeah, no, very interesting, mate. Uh, one one approach I have thought of, you know, that, that a better could potentially implement, and, and lots of betters can kind of do this in a lot of sports where there's a lot of interest and the market's quite efficient is kind of just benchmarking a certain bookmaker that you might believe is the most efficient you know creates the most accurate odds on a sporting event or, or on the formula on the formula one and then you know betting any outliers or you know any mm-hmm. you know any kind any kind of market where there's um where there's huge differences just picking up the best mm-hmm. price of the bookmaker that yeah, yeah. seemed to have got the most wrong in in mm-hmm. relation to that that benchmark is is that possible in in formula one like is the is the is there a bookmaker or the exchanges that are just so efficient that you can rely on their prices as you know that like they are basically nine, you know 90 time, nine times out of 100 they're very very accurate
1: uh i don't i don't think there's a single you know a single bookmaker i could i, I could say that's you're always on top of the on top of the game and and you know has a good read of the market i think there are you know a few that are you know are reasonably good most of the time and um, but i mean what yeah kind of what tends to happen is you know one book bookmaker make you know perhaps the other sports you know one puts up its prices everyone else perhaps doesn't really necessarily know too much about the sport they just follow what that that bookmaker's done uh but then they yeah they might not react to changes in the market you know as the week progresses so yeah then as you as you, you know your question says you know you you do get opportunities where one bookmaker is just you know, clearly not been following the market not not adjusted their prices uh, yeah. and you kind of do see your know, big outliers occasionally so yes yeah, it's definitely something I, I watch out for
0: yeah, so it's more so getting, I guess, the general price of, you know, maybe 10 or so bookmakers and, and seeing if there's any, you know, a potential strategy could be finding yeah. just one that's way out on what everyone else has got.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like, you know, like other sports, you know, like, you know, auto checker, you know, it's a good, is a good reference point for to see how, you know, different uh, bookmakers are uh, are kind of approaching the market. And, you know, and you, you do see. You know, sometimes you know different bookmakers have clearly thought about it and you know have adjusted their prices and, you know but others you can definitely see are also you know they complete followers mm. of what you know perhaps the main bookmaker in the market is doing. Uh, so it's yeah it's about it's about kind of not necessarily uh, uh, it's kind of like un- un- you know, understanding who you're betting against you know who's on the other side of the market you know, like, like in in any other market, you're, you know, it's not, you're not just betting on the event or the, the mark, the, you know, the particular price of a particular financial market or the price of a a sporting event occurring, but you're actually looking, you know, who's on the other side of that trade and what do they know and and why, why have they priced it up the way they have?
0: Yeah, no, definitely mate. Um, Matt, questions around bookmakers then is there is there any like very good bookmakers i, I noticed some um, just here in australia that will release you know 50 plus markets on a on an on a, you know event on the weekend yeah which is, which is great um are there you know is there like a general like who offers the best you know odds for for those for the f1 and, and the most markets
1: yeah i think in terms of sort of comprehensive markets someone like um you know sort of sporting bet
0: okay.
1: and also you know I mean they're part of uh, Ladbrokes and Coral yeah you know, they yeah you know, they tend to have a good you know massive range of markets and and those importantly those markets that are kind of the more not sort of niche markets towards the back of the field and so I think you know if I was going to choose anyone in terms of you know sort of sheer range of markets it would probably be them
0: Yep. Okay, cool. And how have you found, have you found it quite hard to keep some of your accounts from, I assume maybe it's a little bit better these days because there's more, more people betting on it, but, but, um, or we can talk about nowadays what it's like, because I guess it's, it's more relevant than the past, but Mm. um, have you found it hard keeping your accounts unlimited, um, you know, from successful f1 betting or is it really not that nation you can get actually decent amounts down and and not be limited too early
1: i think i think you just got to be a little bit careful uh and again you sort of know you know certain bookmakers are, are much quicker to clap down and and yeah you know, depending on that if you should bet in a certain way so it's about just being quite careful and you know not necessarily using one particular bookmaker to, to place a bet, you know, if you wanted to get it down in size. Um, so then you're kind of just making it a bit more and, and, yes. And that reflects not just about, you know, being restricted, but it also means that you can't, you're, you're trying not to move the market, Mm. not not to provoke too much sort of slippage in the price, Uh, or at least sometimes, you are not. so that, yeah, you know, that's kind of how I approach it really. Just trying to be very sort of careful and kind of know who who I'm betting against and what they're likely to do if I'm you know if I get too too greedy in a in a particular market on a particular from a particular bookmaker. And so yeah, no, it's, it's it's definitely been a challenge keeping accounts open, but you know it's just yes, it's part of the game, and uh, you know it's got got to keep using different tactics to try and get
0: ahead are, are you still are you using your own accounts if you don't mind me asking or have you kind of had to evolve and use friends and families and all the good stuff yeah
1: uh, exactly a good a good range I've lost, count of how, <laughs> I've lost count of how many how many accounts I've got yeah yeah I would I would imagine
0: <laughs> but I uh, back to what you were kind of saying I would because I, I assume there's lots of followers in the market. So let's just say you liked, you really wanted to back Verstappen to win at at the Spanish Grand Prix. Uh, You know, he's basically got the same odds everywhere. So, you know, you could probably, you know, really spread your bets bets out across bookmakers. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, if you know you're not trying to provoke a sort of change in the price, then. Yeah, or, you know, being being restricted, then you know, I, I you know, I try and you know make it, you know, spread spread it across as many as I can.
0: Yeah, yeah. are, are Without, there of being too much hassle? <laughs> are there particular markets that they they really don't accept a big bet on? Like I assume they accept the biggest bets on, you know, the winner of the Grand Prix, but like matchups and group betting are they a lot more? Or, yeah, there's certain markets where they're just like, yeah, you can have you know $50 or something on
1: yeah I think it's it's where I guess it's where they've got the ability to hedge in a particular way either on the exchanges or you know through you know perhaps through other other main to other bookmakers then that's where you can I think you can probably put something on in size I think somewhere it's where they get like you know the group markets are really interesting but sometimes they you know that then they're, they're almost like unique markets. You know, no other bookmaker has got that, that identical market, so there's no, you know, they're, they're kind of a uh, you know, there, there's 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 you know, sometimes they allow a lot of money, sometimes not. So it's, it's just you know, I just have to be careful with it.
0: All right, cool, mate. Um, one final question for you, and I've I I try and ask all of my my friends this question who have been following F one for years, because uh, I think this is the most uh, this is the most interesting thing. It's got nothing to do with betting at all. So sorry for okay. me building this up and, and anyone thinking I'm going to ask some whiz bang question. But I've always wondered if everyone was in the exact same car, uh, okay? And they, yeah. no, they had no advantage at all. Who would? Can you, can you give me your top five drivers from, you know, one to five on who, you know, if they were all in the exact same car, who would, uh, if you had to guess uh, from yeah. your from your opinion, who would be the, the top five drivers? Of, of the drivers that are
1: currently in Formula One
0: yes. right now? Yeah.
1: Because I mean, that question is being asked about, yeah, of, of, of all time, you know, who, yes. who would be your top five of all time. But um, I think- We can yeah, get to that one we, after. Yeah. Yeah. That's an even harder one, perhaps. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I think you know, there's an element of, you know, kind of the best do tend to rise to the top. Eventually. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah.
1: It doesn't always happen, you know, either luck or, or lack of it or, you know, funding, you know, it's kind of a quite a cruel sport in that respect. So you don't, the, the best don't always get a chance to even to get into formula one let alone get in the best team and show off their ability but based based on what who's there and you know what they've been able to show since they've been in formula one then I, i'd still put i'd put hamilton first uh perhaps someone like alonso second you know verstappen third uh charles Leclerc fourth and oh, i was struggling with the fifth
0: one ricardo mm. mate you got to put him in there. Sorry. uh yeah maybe <laughs> let's, put, let's put ricardo
1: in there
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what i wanted to hear mate um and yeah i mean there's probably a debate there because you've got hamilton he, i think he's got the most world titles hasn't he uh yeah he he
1: has i think i think you know i mean and that, and that ranking was kind of based on not just like who's fastest over a single lap, but who's the kind of complete the complete package. Yeah. Um you know, and I, I'd say certainly you know Hamilton uh, and you know and Alonso have you know they've won multiple world championships. They're you know they've got experience but they've also got, you know, lightning speed, you know, despite you know their relative 8 versus some of the the new guys in in the, in the in, the, in the sport as well so i think on that basis i i put them yeah at the front
0: yeah and, uh, it's really interesting that you say alonso number 2 because you, you you see he's not even you know close to being on one of the the better teams like why why wouldn't a red bull or a ferrari or you know a mercedes be recruiting him to to be in their team if if you know he's one of the best drivers on the grid
1: yeah well it's, it's, it's a very long there's a very long and controversial set of oh, stories. Right. so probably uh yeah as to why that hasn't or isn't happening at the moment uh probably is a little bit difficult to manage as a as a driver or ha- yeah certainly was when he was younger um so you know he you know he had he had uh lots of opportunities you know he's won two world championships you know went went to Ferrari you know narrowly missed out on on a championship there uh you know left Formula One you know had a chance to come back that you know that rarely happens for many drivers you know certainly of his you know caliber and you know despite his you know his relative age going up against someone like uh you know Esteban Ocon in his team who is you know is a very good driver. You know he's despite his you know his results this year which i think has been down to you know bad luck um he's you know performing you know incredibly well so i you know i i I certainly hope that you know um the alpine team keep him on you know beyond beyond this year because he's you know he's a a kind of a a real asset to Formula one
0: yeah no of course mate um all right that was awesome where can um yeah before we go where can people find you um anything interesting you've got going at the moment maybe you can you know mention um you know your other work outside of outside of formula one betting um and yeah and maybe you can talk a little bit about your book too which i think i can see uh behind you
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i know, I know conveniently uh, <laughs> yeah so you know i wrote it um yeah the winning formula betting on formula one uh yeah, it's about uh must've been two or three years ago now that I actually published it. Uh, you know, there's, there's little bits in there that are probably, you know, the sport has changed ever so slightly. So, you know, not everything is exactly, especially the same as how, you know, some of the rules have changed a little bit. Uh, but the, you know the essence of what, of my approach and how I, you know, how I look at every weekend is, is kind of detailed in there, you know, to the best that I can, uh, can outline it. Um, you know so yes some of the other books i've written you know my kind of uh either part of my day job is about you know kind of commodity markets uh so if you you know going back uh three or four years ago i wrote a book called uh, commodities commodities 50 things you really need to know so that was kind of to try and help investors in that market kind of educate them you know where you know how to think about again how to think about these these kind of unusual asset asset markets and uh you know and that and that's you know five four or five years ago commodities as an asset class were a little bit dead in the water today you know the they're the only thing that everyone anyone's really talking about in terms of you know energy prices and and food you know price of food going up as well so it's you know especially especially relevant today uh so yeah so yeah I hope yeah check check both of those books out uh and yeah in terms of and yeah I was gonna say in terms of where people can find me um probably the best way is on Twitter uh and that's uh at Peter Sainsbury seven Yeah, that's probably the yeah the best place
0: awesome mate it's been it's been a pleasure having you on and learning more about the Formula One betting market uh, so hopefully we've, we've helped out a few people today, especially myself in uh, maybe just placing a few dollars here and there. It's it's always fun to wake up Monday morning here and, and watch the highlights because normally it's while I'm sleeping. Um, so maybe it will be a little bit funner if I can have a few dollars on, on, uh, on some, on some of the races coming up. So thanks for helping me out at least, mate. Um, <laughs> that good, thank you. <laughs> no, no worries. Um. For for listeners, uh, next podcast coming out. We should, I'm not too sure who we'll have on next, but we should have some uh, guests coming on the next couple of weeks. Got some time to to do some yeah to do some recording over the next couple of weeks so that should be fun so look out for more podcasts on the way and uh, yeah thanks for listening everyone make sure you do a quick rate and review of the podcast if you have time and uh, subscribe to us wherever you listen whether that's uh, on your podcasting app or also watching on youtube thanks very much again Pete no worries cheers Alex